Saturday night to hit someday and just have a, something zap out of the computer and de-res me like it's wrong. And actually be ready? Is that what you want? <laughs> you, you're asking that we're actually ready for this? Uh, i 51. Welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I am the Dome. Joining us tonight from Boston Bureau is our executive producer, Drew. How are you, Drew? Hello, I'm good. And from the Comic Book Vault in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, this is Illustrator X. Hello, hello. And from somewhere in Erie, Indiana, awake by Java. Covered in snow, but ready to go. Whoa. <laughs> going to be one of those nights, isn't it, guys? I suspect you're not alone there. <laughs> we have an interesting cast for you tonight. Uh, want to talk for a few minutes about the top genre movies of the year, uh, Java's uh, DVD picks tonight, and he's got some interesting ones, I've got to tell you. Uh, we want to some TV talk, a good trivia question, and at 8.30, uh, game contributor and interesting all-around bon vivant, uh, Steve Kenson. All right. Go. Question is that's, that's peals of audience roaring there in the background. I, I, I have to say I'm really excited to talk to Steve. I've actually played a few of his games and cool. I'm pretty excited about it. So yes, right. we were Good very to lucky to have him. Alrighty. Well, that being so, said, yeah, where it's the end of the year, we're it coming in that year. It's it is the season for end of the year lists. La 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 la. <laughs> that being said, our top of your genre movies of the year, which one of you would like to go first? Hmm. Well, I'll take it. Go I thought it. that uh, for genre films, I thought we had a gr- another great year for genre films, and um, I actually, I think they were actually. I had to choose three top movies of the year. There was three A-pluses for me, two of which were animated. But to me, um, the granddaddy of them all has to be Star Trek. I mean, it's a no-brainer this year. It, is, it was such a good movie. Fans loved it. People who are new to Star Trek, whoever they may be, loved it. <laughs> oh, there were those. Trust me, there were those. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, people, I mean, even the fans who were, who were going crazy over the inconsistencies loved it warts and all. Uh, so, I mean, I saw it twice in the theater, and these days I don't pay for too many the- theater shows. So that was, uh, I mean, I had a blast with that one. Um, 
My other choices uh, were was Up, which I thought was certainly the most original movie of the year and uh, most original movie I've seen in a long time. Another one where I just sat back and I was just blown away by this whole world that had been created here. I think it's the most, uh, the beginning of it is the most poignant four and a half moments of film I've seen possibly in my life where they take you through this couple's entire married life and without saying a word, it really is just very impressive. And the other thing I like about this movie is that, you know what? Hey, kids, people die. Life doesn't always turn out the way you like it. Nice. And people die. You know what? Things don't always turn out as nice and fluffy like they are in a Disney movie. And this still made me get up walking out with a big smile on my face. Um, and the third one was, uh, which not many people probably saw was Ponyo, which is the latest one from Hayao Miyazaki, not a sci-fi film per se, but, um, Miyazaki is the one who is the director of Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, Falls Moving Castle, My Neighbor Totoro, and a good half dozen other movies that are just as good, if not better than anything Disney or Bakshi or anyone else has ever done. Uh, another film where I was just had my jaw on the floor the whole time. Couldn't believe what a well done all ages movie it was, and especially an all ages movie that didn't speak down to the audience. Uh. All right. So there. <laughs> You're in for three. Drew, you got anything? Or you no, can not yet. I want to. All right, Java, you're up. Yeah, the, you know, there were so many great movies this year. Um, the first one that I have to mention um, is, is Watchmen. I know it was a while ago, oh. but Watchmen was probably one of my favorite movie experiences for a long time. Um, now, did, you know, I, had you read the book? I had, um, and I loved the book. I think that I loved the movie. Uh, I mean, I, I liked the movie not quite as much as I liked the book. Um, it wasn't the kind of experience where I saw the movie and I loved them both as, as the same as it was with V for Vendetta years ago. But, um, well, there was a great you know, the movie, the movie I think was exquisitely done. Oh. Yeah, I really, I really loved it, um, and I, I think that it was a, it was a good experience for amidst all of the um, Superman Returns and Batman Begins and all of the all of the superhero comic book movies that have kind of taken over Hollywood. Watchmen was just a really nice breath breath of fresh air. Can I just say one thing about Watchmen? Too much blue mm-hmm. penis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just, uh, me, just me talking, but as far as I'm concerned, too much. Uh, um, another great movie. Another great movie that I wanted to mention was District Nine. Um, it, you know, it was a fabulous movie. It just was. Um, 
especially because of the way that it, I think it's going to, I, th I think District 9 is more important in its influence than it was as a movie itself. But I think, um, I think we're going to see a lot of great stuff come out of that, the, the things that that movie was doing. Although I didn't per personally like it as much as, as um, I'm, some of my friends did. And then I think that the final movie that I have to mention, um, although I, personally I haven't see it, seen it yet, I'm waiting for IMAX 3D, which I will see sometime over the Christmas holiday, um, is Avatar. And I don't, I don't want to say much about it. Oh. I but um, Would everybody... You stop groaning X for God's sake. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't put a movie on a greatest films of the year list if you haven't even seen the film. Oh, you totally can. You absolutely yes, you can. totally yes. can. You're outvoted three to one on this one. You're, be, you're, you're trusting, you're believing the hype. You have no way of knowing if this is something that's going to live up to the hype. Okay. I, I grant you that, but in, I, I wouldn't want to make a top genre movies of the year um, about sci-fi movies without talking about Avatar because I think that it's going to be the biggest film of the year. Oh, and I, yeah, and I, you know what? And, and that's my caveat. That's my caveat. I haven't seen it yet, but after I see it, I'm sure that I will be able to report positively on it. And you know what? I, I, I agree with you there. Something, I, I look at this and I'm like, you know what? This probably is going to be the biggest thing to ever... This will probably be the thing that knocks Star Trek off the list for the year, but you haven't seen it. I know. I, I know. But that having been said, that having that, been that's said... That's the caveat. I, I would be there right now if I wasn't here. And you know what? I, I, I would tend to agree with you. And I would tend to agree with you because the new technology that he's brought to the genre, that uh, the uh, new way of storytelling, the way of bringing actors out into the Avatar format, uh, and having seen the first seven minutes already. Um, although... I agree with you, X, that having not seen the entire movie, I don't want to put it in my top five. I also agree with Java that, you know, if we did this on December 31st, it would be number one. And, and I firmly believe that. And we, and we can talk about it again. I'm sure we will because I'm, I know that all of us are going to go see it. I'm always oh, yeah. positive, right? Oh, so no question. after we've... After we've seen it, we can talk about it more. I just wanted to include it on the list because we're talking about top movies of the year. And mm. of the year, that includes from now until the end of the year in about a week. Or less. Okay. Well, let's, let's have James Cameron on next. Week. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be nice. Cameron, if you're listening, we'd love to have you join us. You got anything before we move to mine? Hmm? Uh, I'm trying to find a third movie I've seen. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that two will go with two. Okay, well, I think you guys missed a huge one with Dark Knight. Dark Knight? Uh, no, that was last year. Was it really? Yeah. yeah. On Wikipedia, 2009 films, it said it was this year. Uh, Wikipedia lies. 
No, because that was the thing. Last year was the year of comic book movies. We had Iron Man, The Hulk, Dark Knight, and uh, Hellboy oh, 2. Right. Oh, I haven't seen anything. Okay, well, I'm going to go totally off um, with previews I've seen. So, Star Trek, obviously awesome. But we have Sherlock Holmes coming up. I don't know. Oh, I, I forgot about that, yeah. Um, we also have, oh, well, Transformers came out this year. Okay. Cool. That, would, that would be for the other list of the year. <laughs> I, I didn't see it because I didn't even like Transformers when I was younger, so. Yeah. Uh, Monsters vs. Aliens was another a kid's one that was sci-fi that came out. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cute. You know, there was, there was nothing earth-shattering or groundbreaking with it, but it was certainly cute. Yeah. Well, it's a kid's movie. Um, definitely my personal top pick, Twilight. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Drew. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> There's a huge caveat. All right. Um, and we're going to have some problems with my picks as well. Uh, number three for me is District 9. Uh, and it's third because I think it's a fatally flawed movie. I think it's a terrific movie. I think uh, the way in which it tells the story is wonderful. Uh, I think visually it's a very stunning movie. However, I think its biggest flaw is that it doesn't give you the chance to talk to, to, to do, make your own decisions about the characters. The movie spends so much time talking to you, telling you exactly what it is you have to think about situations, and it just bothered me. And as much as I liked it. I, I felt that it was terribly flawed. Uh, my number two movie of the year is Moon, which I know I'm going to get no help with from anyone here. <laughs> no, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I think it's a great movie. I I don't know if I would put it on the list, though, personally. I think well, you're right. Here's why I put it on the list. Um, first-time director, um, with what I think is a very dangerous script that can very easily fall into cliches. And he works mm. very hard not to make that happen. Uh, I think it's it visually the use of miniatures as opposed to CGI for effects. It yeah. just gives it a graininess and a grittiness that I really like and that lends itself to this movie. Now, is it? Does it look like Thunderbirds are go? Absolutely not. Okay. No. No. The the it looks like really impressively good Ray Harryhausen stuff. Ooh. And you know if if it wasn't, uh, it, it's it's hard to say why it's not number one for me because I was really struck by it, but it isn't. Uh, what is number one for me is Star Trek. If you take out yeah. the 10 minutes. <laughs> they didn't bother you know, me. You know, it's funny because there's a friend of mine, who, this woman who's just like, thinks that this is the sexiest version of Kirk they've ever had because they keep showing him as a bad boy at the beginning. 
<laughs> but yeah. he, got, he got beaten up. Well, I guess she's into that sort of stuff. I don't I know. Mean, I'm just saying. All we did for the first ten minutes was get the crack kicked out physically and emotionally. The bottom line is that it, the biggest issue with rebooting a series or rebooting characters is that you're going to have to live up to the original regardless. Because no matter what you do, you're going to be compared to it. The bottom, yeah. line, the bottom line is this measures up nicely. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Star Trek is a great film, and I think that it's going to remain a great film, and I hope that they continue to do something with it. Of course, what I really want is a reboot of The Next Generation, but I'm not going to get that, so... You know, know, if I had my pick of all of the different Star Trek series that I'd like to see rebooted, it would be the one that everybody hates. Deep Space Nine. Because uh, that, to me was one of the most claustrophobically beautiful series they ever put together. Loved it. Great cast, great writing, great concepts, and over and over again, they broke the bounds out. You know, I think it's interesting, that, especially when you, you consider the entire year of the movies that we're not including. Hmm. Um, I mean, think about the movies that came out this year. We had Race to Witch Mountain. We had... Um, which was cute and, and not bad, but... Haunting in Connecticut. Uh, Terminator Salvation. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. Oh, that's right. There was a Terminator film. No, oh, there, was a, <laughs> there was a Wolverine movie, too. X-Men Origins. Yeah. Uh, you know, what else was there? Uh, surrogates. Yeah. Was, that Bruce, was that Bruce Willis film? Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, ten minutes of it before I dropped it. Uh, Astro Boy, um, 2012. I mean, there were a lot of movies that came out this year in the genre, and I think there are more and more every year. Um, but the I think that one of the things that Hollywood has yet to kind of grasp is that in the sci-fi genre, storytelling is just as important as pretty things. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I think we're going to get to the point where uh, the in the industry is going to have to look at the sci-fi audience in a different way. And I think that, and again, caveat, haven't seen it. I think that avatars may be the, uh, a sign of the new direction that filmmaking is going to take. I but I don't know yet. Right. Well, let's hope because you know what? I mean, Transformers Two. Pulled in what, hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollars? Oh, yeah. I mean, and everyone I talked to, it's like, yeah, I went to see it. I hated it. Well, why did you go see it when you knew beforehand you weren't going to like it? I wanted to see giant robots fight. Yeah. Megan Fox. And yep. no, no one was saying that. People were saying, I really? want to see giant robots. And if that, it's like the oh. Jurassic Park movies. Why bother to? If people are going to see it anyways. Why spend money on a script? Speaking of which, have you seen this trailer for uh, the guy in Mexico made? For what? There, there was a guy in Mexico who made a, a trailer uh, for a movie um, with a $300 budget. 
and some director gave him $300 million to make the movie, or $30 million to make the movie. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, next week we will be broadcasting from Mexico. <laughs> um, you know, we should really talk about that next week because it's a, it's a stunning trailer, all made w- for under three hundred dollars. And wow. it was, it, and now the movie that I mean, that's what it is. It's giant robots walking around in um, a city that I can't remember, um, and uh, blowing up buildings and with with spacecraft flying overhead. It's cool. It's I'll, I'll find the link and send it to you guys. Um, we can talk about it next week. And I'll put but, the link up on the, uh, you know, uh, do a blog post on it, put the link up right there, do, too. I will do that um, because I, was, I actually just saw it today, and I was, I was blown away by it. I am blanking right now as to what it was, though. But you know um, what else is cool? We've got a lot of, lot of good movies or the, the hope for good movies coming up fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, well, and right now, I mean, everybody should go see Avatar, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, haven't seen it. Um, and not only that, but Sherlock Holmes coming out on December 25th. Yep. The Imaginarium uh, of Dr. Parnassus also coming out before the end of the year. That looks good. Yes. I that mean, does good. And, of course, you've also got Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland, uh, Iron Man 2 is coming out in yep. May. Yep, 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 yep. All good stuff. To the end of the last Iron Man movie? Yes. Yep. Oh yeah. So we've got we've got tons of great stuff coming up. Actually though, hey. we've got tons of great stuff available right now if you're looking for last minute Christmas gifts. Which is a wonderful segue into your Awesome picks for you guys if you're uh, looking for a last-minute gift for the geek in your life. Um, you have put a little bit of thought into somebody's gift without uh, having to sit down and read a book to make sure that it'll be appropriate for your friend. Um, and a few of the, the ones that I think are interesting and off the beaten track. I mean, they're, they're, you can always get somebody a season of friends that you know that they don't have, and they'll probably enjoy it. But um, for, a, for a science fiction enthusiast, there are a few picks that might uh, catch their attention. I do have to mention uh, that Lost, the complete fifth season, just came out on DVD and Blu-ray, and that is definitely a good pick for the Lost Heads. Wait, shh. I've only seen the first two seasons. No spoilers. Stop now. Stop now. Guess what? I'm never going to see the rest of them. doesn't matter. Go for it. No, don't it really it. does. It, it fits snugly into speculative fiction, so I think that yep. that's a great pick. Um, and one for uh, those people who you don't know too well, because most people like Lost, um, without talking to Dome. Um, <laughs> I, I believe I've been called the curmudgeon, but you know, I'll, I'll learn to live with it. Um, one of the great picks for the younger geeks is the Clone Wars. Although yes. I have to be, I have to be honest, it's a great series. The Clone Wars is the animated Star Wars series that's been airing on, uh, is it Cartoon Network? Yes, it is. Um, I like Bertakovsky's version. <laughs> the 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 thing about the Clone Wars is it's better than the prequels. Well. And, 
and I really like, I really, I've enjoyed watching them. Um, and, you know, for a person who enjoys Star Wars, but already owns all of the Star Wars movies, it's probably a good pick, especially if there are kids in the house. Um, a few other ones. Uh, the Land of the Lost, all three seasons. Uh, yes. Yeah. The Sid and Marty Croft one? Yes. Oh, good, because if you were going to go for the uh, for the Will Ferrell movie, I was going to reach through the computer and start yeah. like, okay. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the thing. Yeah. If you saw the Will Ferrell movie and hated it, uh, go back and watch the first three seasons of Land of the Lost. It's an excellent yeah. series and definitely worth the time. Um, and they just became available in, in just about a month ago, so they're probably not something that most people have. Right. Oh, my God. One of the best science fiction series of all time, hands down. And the cool thing about it was that Sid and Marty Croft had the Saturday morning genre down. Now, those of you who are kids out there listening, kids, if you're sitting by your computer listening to us now, God bless you. Saturday mornings (laughs) used to be a time when Dad could sit and watch Bugs Bunny with his kids, or there were these really cool like uh, Spider-Man half-hour series, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then there were these live-action stuff. And one of them was done by Sid and Marty Croft. And it was, by today's, cheesy and cute. But at the time, it was really cool and fun. And it's a chance for dads and kids to sit back down together and go, holy crap. I remember this. Or if you're like me, you grew up watching uh, Superman on WB, and you always thought Lex Luthor was black because of it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, that's a great pick, because everybody can love The Land of the Lost. Absolutely. Yes. Um, now, for some of the more uh, adult people, uh, there are a few really great picks. Um, a series I just recently got into and finished because it's a very short um, series is Red Dwarf. Uh, it's a comedy series from the BBC from years back. And they recently did a, um, a reunion of sorts yeah. and um, did a DVD special called Back to Earth. And that's available on the Blu-ray right now. Um, an excellent pick for someone who enjoys comedy. And the previous seasons of Red Dwarf are great, too. It's, um, to put it into perspective, it's kind of like uh, a really campy, uh, let me see, a really campy uh, version of Star Wars that just includes C-3PO, R2-D2, and uh, actually just C-3PO and R2-D2. That's pretty much it. That's actually a really good description. <laughs> and so if that sounds like something that you would absolutely love, uh, check out Red Dwarf. The Back to the Earth series is great, um, although it probably needs a little bit of context. So pick up the first few seasons. They might be kind of hard to find on this side of the pond. But, um, yeah, um, I was in Barnes & Noble the other day, and they are available there. Oh, fabulous. Pick those up. They're great. Um, and, of course, I, I would – be far amiss if I didn't suggest picking up the latest season of Doctor Who. The fourth <laughs> series uh, was just excellent. And so 
get that for yourself. And let's not forget that uh, the new Doctor Who is on as soon as this show's over in about half an hour. <laughs> That's true. Oh, um, Lord. There better not be anyone on my stairwell when we sign off. <laughs> You're going to just knock them out of the way, huh? <laughs> you son of a... Um, gonna drive ahead of me. I have I have one more major pick, and that is um, a series that inspired the recent miniseries on AMC, The Prisoner. Inspired the recent yeah. bad miniseries on AMC. Yeah, and you know I haven't watched the miniseries. I I never watched the the previous series aside from a couple of episodes I caught, um, and it's an interesting quandary uh, because the the miniseries has gotten horrible reviews, but the premise is so interesting that I'm sitting back to watch the complete series, and that was just re-released on Blu-ray. Um, yeah. It's a fascinating uh, premise, and um, if, you're, if you hated the miniseries, give the original series a, a chance. Uh, at least that's my plan. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that one. That is just classically done yeah. science fiction television of the best kind. Yeah. Man, two of the greatest sci-fi series of all time are on your list. That is awesome. Agree. Yeah. Um, and I have one last thing that I have to put in because uh, last week, Kriana was able to put in the Muppets. And so... <laughs> If she can put in the Muppets, oh, I, I'm agreeing with you on this one. You go. I can, I can put in Fraggle Rock, the complete series collection, gift set. <laughs> because I don't think that. I mean, the Muppets are great, but really, really, when it comes down to it, Fraggle Rock is the epitome of puppet television. And uh, I'm and I'm gonna say that and then stick to it because Crayon isn't here. There you go. <laughs> Actually, she may be coming in from the other room to disagree with you. Oh, uh, no, no, no. We've got guests, people. And, and I couldn't care less because I agree with you. Fraggle Rock Absolutely. went so far above and beyond yeah. taking this in, inventing this, this wonderful world underneath mm-hmm. the rock. And then the, the, the three, the Fraggles and the Doozers and the Gorgs. And the Trashy. Oh, Marjorie, the Trashy. trashy. Yeah. yeah. I loved her. <laughs> Hmm. And uh, and that that kind of rounds up my DVD picks. Uh, I think that you know, if you do a little bit of searching, you can find something that's absolutely appropriate for for the geek in your life, and uh, hopefully, it gives you some some ideas for things that. That's a really good list. A that really is. good list. Some good hey, stuff on there. guys, we're running over here. Uh, Dome, give us the trivia question, and on to the guest. Yeah. Well, guess what? We need to. Uh, uh, publish the trivia question. I'm not quite sure how to do that because I'm a novice here on the board. And I Just say it. Say it. listening. Um, okay. The movie Blade Runner. Name the book and the author that the movie was based on. And if this is trivia to you, man, you need help. Man, we should get somebody with <laughs> However, we need to publish it first, and uh, I'm going to have problems doing with that. So, yes, so I am going to go get the person who can publish this. Well, Well, it's out on Twitter. Um, If you're uh, on the Twitter, it's at SFSN 
So check that out, and the link is on the Twitter as well. Also on our Facebook fan page. There we go. And uh, I'm going to bring in our guest for the evening. And Brian, if you could give him a little bit of an introduction. Absolutely. His, his website says it all. Steve Kenson, professional geek. <laughs> Writer and designer of role-playing games and related fiction and just the type of person we love to have here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Steve, are you there? I'm here. All uh, right, I did it. Uh, <laughs> holy crap. Oh, oh absolutely done. Feeling good now. Someone give, someone give Dome a treat. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Glass when Welcome to the show. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So, Steve, uh, you're a you're a very successful uh, game designer for role playing games, novel novels. You basically are making a living out of having a good time. Pretty What's much. that like? <laughs> it's pretty nice, I gotta <laughs> say. I gotta say. Um, you know, you're not gonna get a fabulously wealthy working in the you know role playing games business, but yeah. uh, you know, you take a lot of your, your pay and job satisfaction because it's it's a it's a good time. Well, your your list of uh, your your resume is really impressive. Um, you've been involved in all kinds of great RPGs that that I've enjoyed immensely, um, and especially um, Mutants and Masterminds, which is cognizant our uh, mm-hmm. our podcast here, which I think is a great, a uh, really great uh, RPG that has so much going for it. Why don't you talk a little bit about Mutants and Masterminds, um, and maybe we, we'll find something else. To- <laughs> yeah, we've got, we got enough here. Well, oh, yeah. Mutants and Masterminds is one of the various um, games that developed out of the open game license uh, that started with the third edition of Dungeons & Dragons. And I had been working on a uh, superhero setting project that became the Freedom City setting for Mutants and Masterminds. And I had been working on it as a freelance project and original plans to publish it fell through. So I was left with a manuscript for the setting that I really didn't have anything to do with because um, there weren't any superhero role-playing games in print at the time. Um, So there was really nobody, no publisher for me to pitch it to. So I had been doing some freelance work for Green Renine Publishing uh, for some of their early uh, D20 products, um, such as uh, Shaman's Handbook uh, and uh, Psychic's Handbook. And I was friends with Chris Chris Pramus. And so I was telling him about my um, source book that I had been working on, my superhero setting, and uh, I said it was a shame that I didn't have any a game to publish it for. And he said, well, you know, we're doing really well with the D20 stuff. Would you be interested in designing a game? Uh, if we can do an open licensed D20 game, uh, we can do a, a core game book and we'll publish your setting as the, the first setting book for it. So I, I thought that would be an interesting design challenge. Uh, and so I took the um, system reference document that was available at the time, and 
uh, started going through the process of, of turning it into a superhero game. So it went through a, a lot of development and play testing, and uh, it was very well received. So it uh, started up a whole game line that uh, Green Ronin eventually hired me on uh, full-time to uh, design and manage. Uh, and it's it's a really versatile system. I mean, we've used your the the Mutants and Masterminds Second Edition for all kinds of different things. Freedom City is especially a great setting. I absolutely Thank love you. Freedom City. Thank so, you. Well, uh, it's it's particularly near and dear to my heart because it's it's basically everything I like about comic books in a book. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, my gaming group is always that's one of our go-to uh, systems. There, and you've been involved in a lot of other. Uh, games as well. Why don't you talk about a few of your favorites? I, I know that on on your website you've got a whole list of them. Some of the ones that I, I recognize, like World of Darkness and mm-hmm. Shadowrun. Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shadowrun is another game that's very near and dear to my heart. It's actually where I got my start as a freelancer. Um, it was my first published game credit, um, and I did a lot of writing for Shadowrun uh, back in the day uh, when I was first freelancing. So. I've written for well over, I stopped counting, but well over a a dozen or so uh, different Shadowrun books. And um, I wrote several Shadowrun novels. So I'm a big fan of the setting. Uh, I loved Shadowrun from the the moment I heard the premise of it. And um, it's it's just such a, a really rich, fun world to play around with that you can get into all sorts of interesting ramifications and I'm really glad that the um, guys over at Catalyst Game Labs have kept the flame alive and are continuing to publish really great, beautiful-looking Shadowrun products um, for their uh, current fourth edition of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a 20th anniversary edition that I think. Yeah. Uh, Gorgeous book. Yeah, absolutely. I I was lusting over it actually a couple of days ago when I went to the to the game store. <laughs> yep. And I, I recently just uh, did a uh, another project for Shadowrun um, for the 20th anniversary. I did the um, bulk of the writing on their uh, new Seattle source book, which is uh, Seattle 2072. So that was a that was ah, a fun project to work on. Can I, can I ask you a question, Steve? Yeah. How in the hell do you get into this? Where, where did your start happen? Um, I originally, well, I originally got into it because I was a very active fan, um, back, this is going to be dating myself, but, um, <laughs> back, Trust me, you're talking um, to the curmudgeon. <laughs> back, back on the old genie network, um, in the pre, um, worldwide web days, um, when I was on my little 2400 baud dial-up modem. Um, oh I, God. I, yeah, I <laughs> frequented the, um, uh, fan forum for Shadowrun on, on that server. And, um, I became a, um, play tester. Vispasa was one of the first, uh, RPG companies I was aware of that, that, uh, began using email, uh, and online resources to do some of the play testing for their games. Um, so I became a playtester for the second edition of Shadowrun, and uh, I was very active in the fan community, and um, I provided a lot of feedback uh, about the game 
and uh, the developer uh, at the time, Tom Dowd, uh, apparently liked some of what I had to say because um, when he was looking for some fill text uh, to go into one of the second edition books, he had a couple of blank pages basically to, to fill up. Uh, he uh, was taking submissions and ideas, and I sent him you know, probably about 20 pages worth of material. And he took some of the stuff that he liked and uh, said, hey, you know, would you be interested in writing some more stuff for us? Okay, not uh, to get horribly personal now, what major are you at this point? I said not to get horribly personal, but what age are you at this point? I'm 40. No, I mean when you're <laughs> oh, when, when, oh when I when I got started this yeah. was around uh, 1993. So I okay. was 93. Yeah. Okay. So, so you had a so. real job. You had a real life. You yes. Were, okay. What were you yes. doing? Uh, I was newly graduated from college. Uh, and I was working in a horrible corporate, soulless corporate job um, as a, um, uh, in a marketing department for a small high-tech startup. So um, I, was, I was, while I, I learned a lot from that job, um, one of the things I learned is that I, I don't do well in a corporate environment. <laughs> here. Okay, so by day you're in a cube farm. Mm-hmm, pretty much. At night you're playing RPG games. Yep. And becoming more and more involved with them. So it, mm-hmm. becomes, it becomes a, a case of following what you love more than anything else. Pretty much. That's the advice my, my parents always gave me. So I've always been pretty grateful to them for that. Um, is to, to do what you really care about and things will work themselves out. So how does this, you know, the becoming a game tester on a fan forum turn into what it is you're going to make your whole life revolve around? Well, it came down to the, after I had done some freelance projects um, and determined, proven to myself that I can do it, I... Um, eventually got my first novel contract uh, with SASA. And that was a big challenge, uh, but also a big opportunity for me. And so I finally decided that I was going to take the plunge and I did what they tell you not to do. And I quit my day job. And, <laughs> um, yeah. I decided I was going to write full time. And that involved, um, especially initially, involved a lot of scrambling to make ends meet and a lot of really hustling to get work. Um, you know, you look at my published credits, and the reason I, I wrote for pretty much everybody in the industry is because when you're a freelance writer, you take your work wherever you can get it, um, and you, you know, work as broadly as you can. So, um, you know, I, I rarely turned down uh, a job offer when I got one, although I learned to because sometimes it's a smart thing to do. So and it, it's it's hard work. You have to you have to really hustle at it to to get to uh, put together enough work to make it make it a full time living. All right. Well, there's there's no doubt that you're you're doing a lot of work. Um, you know, <laughs> the yeah. there's you've got a, a list of 
of fiction that's impressive in and of itself and uh, all of these series um, the Shadowrun series especially and um, and of course your RPG work is fabulous uh, what do you look for in a game that you want to play? Well, that these days, I, I tend to look for a game that either offers something that has a very interesting or unique play experience to it, or um, something that is fairly simple and straightforward. Uh, if, at least as far as looking for a new game. I have three or four, four to floor-to-ceiling bookshelves mm-hmm. um, in my office that are full of RPG books. Um, and so I've got more games to play than I would ever be able to play in my entire life. Um, so new games that come along usually tend to, for me, have to have something to them other than the usual RPG formula uh, for me to be particularly intrigued enough to, to want to give them, take them out for a test drive and, and see how they play. So um, what are you playing right now? Uh, strangely enough, um, I'm actually playing in my uh, friend's uh, D&D 4th edition game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is, Back to uh, the classics. Yep, yep. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I was running a Mutants and Masterminds uh, game for a while, uh, but decided to take a break from that. Um, and we've been, we've been playing a, a pretty vanilla fantasy D&D game for a while to uh, put fourth edition through its paces, and, and that's been a lot of fun. Well, you know, I mean, at, at first, I, I, when I got the fourth edition book, I was, I think like many people, um, a little bit uh, hesitant Mm-hmm. But it's it's grown on me. It really has, especially with the good DM. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess some of the other games that have caught my eye recently. I, I've been playing Dark Heresy, mm-hmm. the uh, Warhammer 40k game, yep. uh, which is interesting. But I think that's mostly due to the world in which it takes place. Right. That's be- always that's always been a big strength of the uh, 40k property. Has been the the setting. Um, and here's the. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just paging through my my uh, binder. Here's my <laughs> masterminds page. Um, Star Wars 2, uh, the new Star Wars. Uh, oh, the Saga Edition? Saga Edition. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good as well. Yep. Um, what do you see as as um, the the future of tabletop gaming? I mean, it, it seems a little bit anachronistic to sit down with pen and paper and uh, dice around a table, although I know that there's a, I mean, it's a thriving community that I... It is, it is, and I really think that it's the community aspect of tabletop role-playing that's going to make it continue as a hobby. Um, You know, as much as people make friends on different MMO servers and, you know, through Xbox Live and, and various other venues, I, I, there's really still nothing quite like getting together with a bunch of your friends in person, actually hanging out and playing a game. And th- there's really no substitute for that, at least not yet. Um, I think we're going to see more technology come into the, the tabletop experience, especially as stuff like iPhone apps and uh, a lot of laptop applications 
uh, and things like that become more prevalent and more sophisticated. But uh, I, I mean, ultimately, I think the, the tabletop experience is going to remain largely what it is, which is you know a bunch of people getting together to to sort of collaboratively tell a story. Um, here's a question: um, Have you seen the MIT uh, research project using uh, Microsoft Surface Table to play mm -hmm. RPG? What do you think of that? Um, I think it's a pretty cool gimmick. Um, I think, and I think that's some of the sort of thing you're going to see in terms of, of technology, you know, sort of merging into a lot of the gameplay experience. I think that you can do, especially with a lot of miniatures intensive or tactical intensive games, some real interesting stuff with things like um, the augmented reality apps you're seeing for iPhone mm -hmm. uh, and other handhelds. Um, if you could, you know, hold up a magic window that's going to show you all of the stats for your figure on the table. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not going to have to keep little scraps of paper and, you know, little chits and markers <laughs> to keep track of it all. I think that that's something that, that will catch on. But ultimately, I don't think any of those technological gimmicks really change the gameplay experience that significantly. I think it's ultimately still going to be people sitting around, you know, telling a story in one form or another facilitated by the game. It's funny because with, with the Microsoft apps and all, all the new iPhone apps, it's kind of blurring the line between a tabletop RPG and like a LAN party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I've always wondered why those lines never blurred, you know, why, why, why they never came together more. Well, I think ultimately one of the reasons for that is that you've got the, the game master factor. Uh, the, the big key difference between a tabletop game and any other form of uh, what most people call an RPG um, is that tabletop RPGs are nearly always facilitated by a game master. So you have uh, somebody who is control, not controlling is a bad word, but is facilitating the experience for the players and is able to provide much more interactive feedback uh, right, and much more right, creative right, feedback right. than you're going to get from a CPU. Um, you can program your MMOs with all the quests and all of the various scripts and different options you want, but you're never going to get anything as creative as uh, an actual you know, additional player who's taking the role of the game master who can react to things and say, wow, you know, that's a completely offbeat idea, but let's run with it. And, you know, I'm going to make something right. up and see what happens. Um, and some of my best game mastering experiences have, have been like that, where players have gone completely off into left field and done something completely unexpected. But instead of saying, oh, that's it, my game's ruined, you know, I can't continue, I said, okay, well, let's run with that and see what happens, and sometimes some really cool stuff comes out of it. Do you foresee a future where the, the complex nature of, of technology can take over the, the place of a human game master? I mean, we've got lots of uh, games with open worlds, and, and there are many game, video game designers playing with um, the role of the, of the player in the game 
to create a story. Do you think that that's something that in the future we'll see happen? Well, I think to truly take over the the role of a game master in the tabletop experience, you need something. I mean, you need something akin to a true artificial intelligence. Um, you can have technology that's going to take a lot of the burden of the um, bookkeeping aspect of the game. Off the logic the burden. Yeah, exactly. The logic burden of you know calculating things. Right. And you know that sort of stuff can certainly be taken over by a computer much more effectively. Um, but I think that until you start seeing some sort of technology that's truly creative, um, you're really not going to have that aspect of the and, experience. And at that point, you're out of work. No. <laughs> well, at that, point, at that point, we're all out of work. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think the game designer is still going to have a very important role in uh, in any type of a game. Now, um, is there anything that you can tell us about the, your future work, or is that all highly classified? But, but right now, I'm, I'm working on, I can't really talk about a lot of the projects I'm working on right now, but um, right now, um, we're wrapping up um, some uh, projects. We just uh, came out with the um, PDF um, version of the Dragon Age box set, which is going to be the first RPG box set based off of Dragon Age Origins. Oh. Um, and that's in the printer right now. Um, and so the box set should be shipping in uh, January. Uh, and I'm really excited about this. This isn't one of my, my own projects. This is a Green Renine project. But um, it's, it's just a really cool old-school game um, where it's uh, 264-page books, a uh, setting map, 3D6, and uh, all of it in a, uh, a box. Um, real simple, introductory, um, good old-fashioned tabletop RPG. Um, and it's the kind of really nice introductory product that the uh, industry, the hobby, haven't seen in quite a while. No, that sounds interesting. That sounds very wow. interesting because, you know, the question for a lot of our viewers who have never actually, or listeners, who have never actually, well, they could be watching, you never know, who uh, have <laughs> um, never played an RPG game. I mean, you know, for me, I walk into my local comic store on Saturday mornings, and there they are. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just like organized mayhem of, of some kind. And there's a whole lot of, uh, um, as, as with anything, the trepidation about trying something and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, where do you start? What do you do? Check out, check out where games are taking place or, or what? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons we decided to do um, Dragon Age the way we did. Uh, was to to do a series of um, box sets that would build up the game over time, and provide a nice, um, you know, gentle uh, entry point for people who are interested, especially uh, folks who have played the um, computer game, who are interested in checking out tabletop gaming, um, but might be put off by the you know massive. 300-page uh, rule books, or right. you know, the, right. you know, game lines with with you know volumes of information that go back you know 10, 20 years. Cool. Okay. Great. Thanks. 
That's, that's well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Steve. My pleasure. It was really great to talk to you. Uh, it was awesome having you on the show, and, and uh, when that super secret project can be talked about, we'd love to have you back. Sure thing. <laughs> <laughs> so from high above Area 51, this is Dome saying, hey, uh, what was today? The oh, today's the 19th. I do believe the aliens are coming for my laundry. Good night from Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Anything you all want to add? Uh, just that on future guests on January 2nd, we will have Bob and Kim Shaw of the Boston Comic Con. January 9th, author Christopher Golden will be our guest. And coming shortly after that, our special Philip K. Dick episode. Uh, something I personally cannot wait for. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is Illustrator X signing off from the Four Color Vault of Comics. And Awake by Java off to find another drink. Drew is heading back to the trip. <laughs> you know, we didn't even have a drinking game tonight, did we? Oh, we didn't need a game. <laughs> drinking is not a game. Uh, it is for some of us. God bless America. All righty. Thank you so much. Uh, take care. Have a good night. See you same bad time, same bad channel. Whoops.